0: We're going to be in Job chapter 23 this morning, and this is a a passage that God began to lay on my heart several weeks ago, um, and I knew that I would be preaching this morning. Uh, Job is one of the books that's in the wisdom literature. Uh, We don't quite know who uh, the author is. Uh, Many books have been written on the book of Job. I know one writer uh, that I've read, he's written four books just on the book of Job. So there's no way that I could do it justice in just one sermon. Uh, We're going to try to do just kind of an overview of what Job is, and then we're going to dive into Job 23. There was a pastor in England in the 1700s that preached through the entire book of Job, and it only took him 23 years. So could you imagine being away for 10 years, coming back, and he's still in the book of Job? So we'll pass that along to Joshua, and maybe we can... We'll hit Job next and be there for the next 23 years. Um, But again, there's no way that I could do this justice in just one one service. Throughout this book, we see suffering. Not the suffering that you have when you get a paper cut, or your fast food is taking too long, or they don't put enough sugar in your drink at Starbucks. That is not suffering. That is an inconvenience. But I want to talk about suffering, the pain and the hurt that many of us carry every day. One of my favorite hymns of all time we just sung a minute ago was, It Is Well With My Soul. Many of you may know the background of that story that Horatio Spafford wrote in the late 1800s. He was a businessman from Chicago, uh, served in his church, and um, by all accounts a successful man. His family was getting ready to uh, head across the ocean, and he suddenly, last minute, had some business things to take care of and was not able to go. About halfway um, across the Atlantic, the ship was hit and began to sink. Many um, of the 226 passengers perished that day, Including Horatio Spafford's four daughters. His wife survived and sent a telegram back to him Saved, alone, what shall I do? On his way to meet her, he said, or he began to write the lyrics of It is well with my soul. Sometimes when you understand the context of something, it helps you to understand the heart. Of who wrote it. So he said it is well with his soul, even though there had been great tragedy and great pain in his life. So, back in the book of Job, we see Job has lost everything. Job has experienced great suffering, great pain, uh, and was confused. And so, throughout the book of Job, we see dialogue. Job talking to God. Job's friends talking to him, and in the first little bit, Job's friends stay silent for about seven days, and then they begin to speak up, and they probably should have remained silent. I know none of you have any of those friends who do not have the gift of compassion, who try to tell you something, and it just does not go over well. Those were Job's friends. Sometimes they said some things that were right, but sometimes they didn't get it all the way right. Even in Job 3, we see that Job even questions his birth, his very existence. We see Jeremiah does that as well. There is a darkness for them. And even uh, as you continue throughout Job, you, you see that. You see the, the pain and the hurt, and God is silent during most of the book of Job. One writer said it this way, he said he thinks that God is silent because he allows Job to speak. He allows Job to question because God sympathizes with our weakness. Finally, God does speak in chapter 38 of Job, and he begins to ask questions to Job. A lot of questions, like, where were you when the world was created? And so he begins to do that. Where were you when the I laid the foundation? But this morning I want us to focus again on twenty-three, and this is just after one of Job's friends has been trying to encourage him, trying to speak to him, and we're going to pick up in chapter twenty-three. Let me read that text for you. Then Job answered and said, "Today also my complaint is bitter. My hand is heavy on account of my groaning." All that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his seat. I would lay my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would know that he would answer me and understand what he would say. Would he contend with me in the greatness of his power? No, he would pay attention to me. There, an upright man could argue with him, and I would be acquitted forever by my judge." Behold, I go forward, but he is not there, and backward, but I do not perceive him. On the left hand, he is working. I do not behold him. He turns to the right hand, but I do not see him. But he knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I shall come out as gold. My foot has held fast to his steps. I have kept his way and have not turned aside. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my portion of food. But he is unchangeable, and who can turn him back? What he desires that he does. For he will complete what he appoints for me, and many such things are in his mind. Therefore, I am terrified at his presence. When I consider I am in dread of him, God has made my heart faint. The Almighty has terrified me. Yet I am not silenced because of the darkness, nor because thick darkness covers my face. And so as Job is struggling, and we see this throughout this the whole book of Job, he begins to question, but at the same time he's questioning. He's just asking for help. He's asking for guidance. He's asking for God to hear him. Charles Spurgeon once said that good men are washed towards God even by the rough waves of their grief. And when their sorrows are deepest, their highest desire is to not escape from them, but to get at their God. So this morning, I want us to look at four things about suffering and our relationship with God. And the first one is that we can ask questions We see this. We see this not only from Job, Jeremiah does the same thing. Again, Jeremiah cries out. We see in the book of Psalm that the writers there, they cry out in pain. And God doesn't rebuke them for that. That we can ask questions, we can go to him, we can search for him. Jeremiah, again, also questions his birth Why was I born? We even see in the Garden of Gethsemane that Jesus experiences agony right before he goes to the cross. So we can ask questions. We can go to him. The second thing is that suffering is real. Again, Jeremiah, David in the book of Psalms, we see them sometimes describe that as a black cloud, just like we did here in, verse, in chapter 23. Sometimes we suffer because of things that we have done. If we become dependent on uh, medicines or drugs and that we begin to abuse those, there may be some side effects. There may be some uh, consequences for our actions that may lead to suffering. But there are many things that we don't have control over that we suffer with. There are many things that are not done by our hand. And so we can see in this passage that we are not alone in suffering. I think it's very intentional that God allows these passages to be in here for us to understand that we're not alone and we can understand that darkness. For some of you in here today, you know exactly what that cloud of darkness means. You can relate to that. Maybe you have found yourself trying to go to the Scriptures, going to Psalm, going to Job, because you know there is suffering there. And how can you handle suffering? How can you deal with suffering? What is the answer for it? We're looking for the reason of our hurt. For some, those losses and those struggles are very, very apparent. We see loss around us, we see pain, we see sickness, but there are also those who have things internally that we don't see. Those that put on a face that says everything's okay, but inside they're hurting. And we don't have to look very far around us to see injustice in this world. We don't have to look very far around us to see brokenness and pain and hurt. It is very, very real. And it is something that we all experience, whether we follow Christ or not. So we can be comforted that there are those righteous men, as God called them. He called Job, a righteous man. He called David a man after his own heart. And they struggled. The third thing is that he is refining us. God can use what he hates to accomplish what he loves. You see that In Jesus going to the cross, the pain that he suffered, the mocking, the beating, those are things that God detests. But he allowed it to happen because he knew that was the only way for Christ to rescue us. So again, sometimes God can use what he hates to accomplish what he loves. And again, the cross is the ultimate example of that. He, uh, there, uh this year at camp, one of the songs that we, we sang was that he is in the fire. And it, it talks about, uh, well, let me read the lyrics to you. It said, there's, a, there's grace when the heart is under fire, another way when the walls are closing in. And I, when I look at the space between where I used to be in this reckoning, I know I will never be alone. There was another in the fire standing next to me. There was another in the waters holding back the sea. And should I ever need reminding of how I've been set free, there is a cross that bears the burden where another died for me. So sometimes we are going to be in that furnace. We are going to be struggling. We are going to be in the heat. And it is where God can accomplish great things. Warren Wiersbe, in this chapter, writes about uh, chapter 23. He says this, Some people go into the furnace of affliction, and it burns them. Others go in, and the experience purifies them. What makes the difference? Their attitude toward the word of God and the will of God. If if we are nourished by the Word and submit to His will, the furnace experience, painful as it may be, will refine us and make us better. But if we resist God's will and fail to feed on His truth, the furnace experience will only burn us and make us bitter. We can see several illustrations throughout Scripture talking about that refinement, that furnace process, that uh, burning, whether it's um, a silversmith that is... Um, Getting rid of all the impurities to make that silver stronger. If you take a potter and you take that clay and mold it and then you fire it, it becomes hardened and it can become a piece of work, a piece of art that is beautiful. But it had to go through that fire to be purified, to be strengthened, to be used. And so do we seek God in the middle of our pain, in the middle of our hurt, so He is refining us. The fourth thing: we can fear, yet still trust. There is that fear that um, that Job has. In Proverbs nine ten, it says, "One that you know, the fear of the Lord, is the beginning of wisdom." Job admits that he is scared. He is in agony. He is in a dark cloud. Jesus is in agony as he's in the garden preparing to go. So we can still trust him even when we're scared, even when we have fear. One writer put it this way. He says that we have an elastic faith, that it can... Uh, when that thick darkness covers us, that we can be filled with dread, but at the same time, we can embrace confidence in Him. There's a new book getting ready to come out for children. It's a writer. um, He's in England. And he wrote it out of uh, the loss of his daughter and trying to explain God's goodness in the midst of suffering. And he uses the phases of the moon as an illustration he said the moon is always round the moon may come may go through phases some days it may not be visible because of uh, circumstances but it's always round it's always there we may not see it so god's goodness is always there even though we may not see it in psalm 119:71 We see that it is, um, the writer there said, it is good that I have been afflicted so that I may know your decrees. Struggling and hurting in that fire, that suffering, many times can be a great teacher. Many of you may know the story of Joni Erickson Tada. She's a wonderful writer. Uh, an incredible godly woman who, f- over 50 years ago, dove into the Chesapeake Bay and broke her neck and her, part of her spine and became a quadriplegic. And she's been that way for over 50 years now, and she's not let it stop her. She's written a number of books. She's stu- established a program called Joni and Friends, and It helps to encourage those that are struggling, those that have been disabled. And she has turned it into an amazing, amazing ministry. She said this. She said that they were at their retreat several years ago in Alabama. And she said she was in this huge, noisy dining hall and a college age volunteer came up to her and she said, Miss Joni, she says, Do you ever think how none of this would happen if it were not for your diving accident? She said, I flashed a smile and I said, It's why I thank every God every day for my wheelchair. She said, After she left, she said, she stared for a moment. At that dining hall scene. She's right. How did I get here? She said, it has everything to do with God and His grace. Not just grace over the long haul, but grace in tiny moments, like breathing in and out, like stepping stones leading you from one experience to the next. The beauty of such grace is that it eclipses the suffering. She said, until one July morning, you look back and you see five decades of God working in a mighty way. Grace softens the edges of past pains, helping to highlight the eternal. What you are left with is peace that's so profound, joy that's unshakable, faith that's ironclad. It's the hard but beautiful stuff of which God makes 50 years of your life. And she said, like, when did that happen? She says, I can't say, but I sure love Jesus for it. What a beautiful testimony that she has left, or that she has because of this. There will be moments where we are going to question why, and we're not going to understand, and there may be times where we don't get answers. I can remember the first church I served in, and I'll never forget the night. It was a Wednesday night, and a young man called me, uh, 16 years old, and said he had been diagnosed with leukemia. And so I ended up at the hospital with him that night, and I watched this young man for the next several years go through treatment after treatment after treatment. And eventually, praise God, he was healed, and he's 10 years now cancer-free. But in that moment when I was sitting with him I couldn't tell him why. I didn't understand. We may not understand the pain. But we have to trust him. As a believer we can hold on to hope. We can hold on to that there is a God that is bigger than us. A God that sees things that we do not see. A God that we can go to when we're hurting. And so only a Christian can answer in the way except it is for the glory of God. And we may not understand it. We may never see it. I'm sure that Horatio Spafford never realized what his song was would lead to years of encouragement for people, to lead them back to Scripture, back to the cross. I know it did for me. That is a song that I have listened to many, many times, in times of darkness, in times of hurt, in times of pain, in times of things when I don't understand. So can we say that when things aren't going the way we want them to, when things are not going well, when we are frustrated, when we are in that cloud of darkness can we still say to God be the glory? Can we still hold on to the hope that he gives us? We may never understand on this side of eternity, but we can trust him. As we come to a time of response, I would like for you to take a moment just among yourself, between you and God, for your heart. And as David prepares to come uh, to lead us in closing. Will you join me in prayer? God, we come to you. Father, for many of us, there is a heavy darkness, a heavy burden on us. And God, we may never understand, we may never understand the hurt, the pain. But Father, I pray that we would run to you. If all we have is you, Father, that is enough. So, God, this morning as we think on your word, as we think on your character, God, I pray that you would just fill us with your presence. God, let us experience the peace only you can provide. It is in your precious name we pray. Amen. If there's any way that I could pray with you this morning, I'll be down front. You can use this as a time just to, to respond uh, to whatever He's doing in your life, in your heart, as David leads us. Thank you.